0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Gerard Evolution of a Revolution, Part Eight, a Q and A special. My name's David, and I'm joined by Stevie Clifford again as we talk through the journey of Stephen Gerrard from novice manager to manager of the Invincible 55 Champion. Stephen, delighted to have you here and a fun show for us this week because this is, we've had a great audience reaction to the show and this is really their show, this is their questions, this is what they want to know about. Yeah, first of all, great to be
1: back and David, whoever thought when we started this we would be on episode 8 No, still have so much content, Um, it's been great fun. Double what I thought we would do Yeah absolutely it's been great fun and as you said um, The the reaction we've had And the reaction to even these shows This show is is superb so thank you Everybody and I'm looking forward to getting into it Because you know there will be bits That we've missed and things that we would have thought Ah we should have mentioned that so I'm sure we'll get through it all here
0: Right well might as well just get Stuck in the first question comes from Derek Stewart On Patreon he says if Stevie G Was to leave tomorrow who would we get It worries me well that's the million dollar question
1: I suppose in in terms of if he was to leave but what I would say is that I think David that we're in a much better place now than we were when Stevie G came in so the caliber of manager that would want to come to Rangers with you know they're not coming to a squad that's 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 really poor etc they're coming to a team that has potential and and a winning team etc so I think that we would have a better scope and a wider scope is there anybody out there that you would pinpoint? Probably not, but it's not something that we've considered, is it? So, mm. what I would say is Ross Wilson has been brought in to oversee all that kind of thing. So I'm sure that they're looking at people um, and and have a, a potential shortlist, just like they will have players. Um, if Stevie G, you know, goes to leave in the next couple of years, I would certainly, you know, I would, I would certainly think there would definitely be a, a more interested um, base given that the position that he would leave us in would be a fairly strong one.
0: Football clubs are a bit like campsites. Leave them in a better place than you found them. And that's a better state than you found them. And that's what Stephen Gerrard has done. I agree with you, Stephen. Just to echo the point that, think about where we were in 2018, third in the Scottish Premier League, very little income at the time, miles behind Celtic, a joke in Europe. Um, We weren't an attractive proposition to a certain level of manager now though champions re-established ourselves financially in a much better footing and in Europe and doing well and and showing the opportunities that you can get so yeah I I totally agree I think we are uh, a much better project for a manager coming in because you know obviously if you're a Rangers fan then it's different but we need to tempt people to come to Scotland. I think one of the problems as a supporters is that we tend to look about the leagues that we know. I don't think there's anyone in Scotland at the moment, and and I say that as somebody who does admire Callum Davidson, and he had an amazing year, but it is one year, and it's it's way way too early to be talking about at Rangers, and the, the, you know obviously the English Premiership, it's unlikely you're going to get someone from that level, so it probably would be a continental. Uh, managerial appointment, I think, but you never know. Um, we'll have to wait and see with that, and hopefully, it's not a problem that we come we come up against for a while. Question two comes from David Innes on
1: Patreon. Um, David, this is an interesting one. When do you think the Rangers haters realised that Stevie G was the real deal in terms of bringing Rangers success? And I'll add a wee bit to that. We we spoke about this in a uh, way back when the uh, the very first episodes. About the media reaction towards this, the, some of the comments and things. When do you think the, the penny dropped for everyone in terms of you know, Stephen Gerrard
0: is the real deal at Rangers? For some, I don't think it has yet. Uh, no, I think there's a, a, a great deal of delusion going on in Scottish football at the moment. But I think, for shall we say, fair observers of it, then I think you could see with the, the initial European performance that he knew what he was doing that this was not going to be a disaster this was not somebody who was coming in who had ideas but couldn't get them across or had silly ideas uh, and i think that that right from the start the improvement that rangers made i think that any fair observer said okay he knows what he's doing now that might not have been enough to convince them that yeah he's going to be the man to lead Rangers to glory and to success and I think for me it was this season round about you know January February when it was it was clear that the Rangers were going to go on and win the title because I think he'd overcome a lot of hurdles a lot of the questions that would have been in people's mind um uh, all through it like I say initially that, you know, Rangers weren't a joke straight away when Gerard came in he changed that overnight we had been before so you could see he could organise a team you could see what he wanted to do I think it was also clear that he improves players um, I think you could see that in his time here but the big question was of course Rangers had pretty much collapsed two years in the trot after Christmas so that for me, was the final hurdle and could he get over the top uh, into that? And there are still some who say well he hasn't won a cup, but to me that's disingenuous, that's that's starting from a position of saying I don't want to admit this and then looking for evidence for it. Because yeah, we we do want him to do better than cups but it was about taking Rangers back to the pinnacle of Scottish football. So I I would say that if anyone still harbours doubts about his ability as a football coach, a football manager, I think that maybe that's based on on other things.
1: Yeah, there was a second part to this, which is again, I think David Innes and Patreon asked this, but was it a gradual process or defining moment when the penny dropped? And just to kind of, just to nip in a wee bit, David, I I think that given the magnitude of what he faced when he took over, it was always going to be a gradual process in terms of 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 Stephen Gerrard, you know, overcoming. The hurdles to, to get the, the trophy back home. Easier to say it now, but I, I definitely think that there was many defining moments, like the first victory over Celtic, victory over Parkhead, etc. So, I, I do think it was a gradual process with many
0: defining moments, instead of it being either or. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the whole thing, uh, the title we, that we chose for this show uh, indicates that it I, I don't ever think it felt like you know there were, there were there were big moments and big signposts you know the first time you know the first season when we we beat Ufa, that, that felt a big moment and of course beating celtic um at Ibrox, and then of course beating celtic at, at Park there were always these these moments but yeah I, I always felt it was like an, an evolutionary process and, and we talked about it in the episode it was quite an emotional episode about the you know that that spell after the Tyne castle cup game where we thought he might leave. I, I was still convinced that he was the man to get us there. Um, if he believed that, because that interview was worrying. And I think that we all felt, I don't know if he, w- he wants to continue, but I felt that there had been enough signs of progress that we were going in the right direction. I, I was maybe more in the camp of, we're just not going quickly enough but that we are in the right direction of travel. That, of course, does lead to the question of, well, is he maybe John the Baptist rather than Jesus? Do you know what I mean? He, is he the guy that shifts us from being a joke into a competitive force, but we need someone else to come in and take us that next step of the journey? Uh, that was a question I thought was was more legit about, you know, will he bring his success? I, I, I felt that at one point, yes, he definitely would. But would it come quickly enough was, was I thought a a question and maybe would there be a time where it was advantageous to say, thank you for what you've done for us. You know, you've taken us from, you know, not to to 70, but we need to get to a hundred and we've got somebody coming in who'll do that for us. But I, I always felt that that he was somebody who who learned and developed and pushed and obviously it all came to you, you know a, a beautiful full stop is that is that the right term for it you know that we could see that yes now it has been achieved but for me it's always been a learning experience for him and for us and and for his, his players and for the squad as as they had to learn to win and and even us as a support we had to learn how to win again because we'd been through so much that I think it was important for us to to get over that line and and like I say I think that, that now that we've done it then it's It's been like piercing that bubble that was getting ever bigger and bigger and bigger of pressure. And I think that now that it's, it's gone, I think that you'll find that, that all of us are in a much better place. You know, us as a, a, a support and, and them as a player management team to go on and achieve further success. I would agree. Perfectly, perfectly put. There's not much more to add to that one. In terms of what comes next for the manager, how big a concern is burnout considering what we've seen from Liverpool and how do you think the manager will guard against it? That's from Pondo Sinatra on Patreon. Well, I think
1: it's always a concern for any team at any point. Um, I think that how how will we guard against it? I think that more squad rotation and it comes with having, you know, a three-year process behind you where he can trust more of his squad um, we've got stronger squad options as as well as being, you know, a very strong first 11. There's a strong kind of 12 to 18 there as well. So, you know, when we are nipping into the market and bringing in guys like Sakala and Lundstrom, who three, four years ago when he first came would have been automatic first choices, but we're looking at them adding, you know, some serious strength to the squad. I think that's how we combat it, David. I think that's how we avoid... Um, burn out and it'll be up to the manager to, to see how he does it but he does have you know we've got a squad now of 30 players which obviously needs to come down quite a wee bit but he has plenty of options and, and I think that he has plenty of quality options now when you look at the the, the defence he's got you know six centre backs when he looks at full back he's got Patterson, Tav, Borna, Bassi etc you know there's, there's good options in goals good options in the middle and up front We've went from having Morelos to now having Morelos, Ruth, in Defoe, you know, Haji, Sakala, Kent, Scotty Wright. So I think we have a, a plethora, David, of of talent and that's that's how he's gonna do it. But I think also think the good thing as well is that these things will be fresh in his mind because he's a Liverpool fan, he would have seen that and of course he would have experienced, you know, glories of, of Champions League and things and having no success in the seasons after it. So he knows what to look out for and he knows how to manage it, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I, I think that I'm a great believer in teams and this maybe goes back to when, when Walter took over at Rangers um in you know properly in the summer of nineteen ninety one and built his own team. He'd obviously guided us to the to the title just before it. And we had that amazing two-year period. We won the double in the first year and we won the treble and the amazing Champions League run the the following season and then there was quite clearly burnout the season after it. So I've always been a great believer that uh, an up-and-coming team has it it rises for a bit and then it will plateau for a period and then it will start to drop down and it will happen to us inevitably. I, I just don't believe that it's possible because there will come a point where you need to bed in new players and Um, Your rivals will will probably be at a point In their journey where they're stronger as well That can happen So it will happen to us I think football history tells us that But I genuinely don't believe, Stevie That we are, even at the plateau stage yet I think that we're still on the climb
1: Yeah, I think when you look at individual players Certainly individual talents Like Savarebo, Kent, Hadji They're the immediate ones That spring to ride Scotty Wright These are guys that aren't anywhere near their peak yet For Rangers so there's, there's a lot more to come. Definitely would agree with that.
0: Um, Question number
1: four, yeah. Um. So this is John Graham Patterson again, Patreon. And this is a good one. Was there a player signed during Gerrard's time or already there that was let go without getting the proper chance?
0: Mm. Well, you know me. I'll go to my grave thinking Greg Docherty.
1: I think Greg's the obvious one. Um, if you ignore the big Umar Sadiq Going for 60 million euro ridiculous stuff I'll but... be
0: honest I couldn't see that one coming Oh
1: that's crazy But I think Greg Doherty for, would have been my answer mate as well
0: Yeah and look the Football managers don't deliberately Leave out guys that they think are going to come in And help them win So the, there will have been reasons And Stephen Gerrard knows more about football than I do I, I just really like Greg Doherty as a player And I think that um, he's got levels But sometimes you know, it's it's maybe right club, wrong time. That can happen. There the are a whole host of factors. But I, I do think he's a good player. And I think that, you know, he, he will go on and have a really decent career. Um, if the season had continued, a, a lot of people asked this. Um, Stuart Thomas and Lauren McCrimmon on Patreon were the first. But a lot of people asked this. If the season had continued after the point it stopped due to COVID, would Steven Gerrard have walked away considering the results and how everything was going? You mentioned it
1: um, a couple of minutes ago when we spoke about this on the the episode it, it was quite an emotional kind of you know we we look back and we we spoke about it. I know that you said you know you were a massive Gerrard fan at the time I remember now and I spoke about this in the episodes as well a very infamous kind of um blog that I put out after the Hamilton defeat in it and it attacked quite a few of the players, but in it it always it said that we we have to stick with Steven Gerard and mm-hmm. He is the man to to take us there. It's just I thought he was being too loyal to certain people, so, as far as fans were concerned, I still think on the majority we were we were still behind them. But to the actual point, it's a really difficult one it's It's not one obviously, David that we like to think about, but mm. I don't think he would have because I think that when you look back on his career and where he wants to go. When you look at you know what he achieved with with Liverpool and and possibly you know moves to Chelsea and things and he was all he's always very loyal, very committed, very you know very strong in what he believes in. So I think he was hurting like all of us. He was hurting at that point. I think that it was a very difficult moment for him. I would say, I, I hand in heart, I would say no, but I don't think with that at the same time, David. I don't necessarily think we would have, you know, had a barnstorm and finish to the season mm. in terms of him quickly kind of turning it around on that. I think that he possibly would have would have learned more about certain individuals and, and they might have found form or, or not found form. So I think maybe it saved a lot more than just Steven Gerrard. And that's a, that's a nice mm. way of putting it because... I think maybe certain players who were in a right slump, you know, were allowed to go away, galvanise, get themselves a better frame of mind and things. So it's not only a question about Gerard; it's also a question about the players. But the way they turned it round, you know, was magnificent. Obviously, would he have walked away? An in answer instead of waffling on like I am? No, I don't believe he would. have.
0: I want to circle back to something you said in your answer, Stephen, because I thought it was a really, really important point um, and one that I think needs mentioned, and that was. That although there was a lot of concern among supporters and there was a, a a fair few fans who thought it's time for change, I don't think we'd reached tipping point. I don't think we'd reached that critical mass of supporters saying, "Nah, I don't believe in him, I've given up on him. But we'd Celtic to play twice. Had we lost both those games, and and even worse, had it maybe been a heavy defeat or a couple of heavy defeats, would that have changed it? And would the atmosphere at Grounds have been a little bit ugly? I I don't think he would have walked away lightly. But obviously, if if he got the impression that the fans didn't want him there, would that have been different? Now, the opposite could have happened. We could have won all our games and Celtic could have collapsed and we could have won the league. We'll never know. It's a total, you know, what if moment. Personally, I don't think we would have got scudded, but I don't think we would have come back and won the league either. Um, and I, 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 again, I, I don't know. It, it saved it getting worse. It stopped it getting better as well, but it also saved it getting worse. Where we are now, we can sit and, and say that it worked out absolutely perfectly for us because it gave them time and space to go away and focus and, and realise maybe that, that we were closer than we thought we were. Um, but, yeah, it, it absolutely could have. It could have degenerated into a situation where, for everyone's sake, that the manager sat down with the board at the end of the season and said, look, the fans have given up on me and you know, I, I don't have their trust and therefore I think it's better for everyone if I go. Equally, it could have gone the other way and he could have you know had the best comeback since Helicopter Sunday, but I just think that it is probably better that we just, you know, as you say, the sliding doors moment, we just go, phew, and be glad how how it did work out.
1: Question six is from Ross French on Patreon. Uh, he, he asks, this is impossible to answer, I think, but he asks, who is Steven Gerrard's best signing at Rangers and who is the most
0: improved? Oh wow. Um that is a good question.
1: That
0: yeah, is a good one, isn't it? Yeah. Um I'm going to say that he's best signing, and I'm gonna go on here pound for pound well <clears throat> Alan McGregor. But there will always be that suspicion that he was somebody who was lined up anyway. And Gerard o'caid it obviously, but A guy who was an absolute Gerard signing, I would say, is Conor Goldson. And I think, you know, his contribution over the three years that he's been there has been huge. For me, though, the most improved is is Glenn Kamara. Not because he was rubbish, but we were signing a guy from Dundee. Okay, let's not forget that. I know we go 50 grand. I know he was going to be out of contract, but he was coming from Dundee. And now we wouldn't. Be happy if if he left the club for less than twenty million pounds. <laughs> that is an improvement.
1: Yeah. Um, so you know the great thing, David, is that there's this is very subjective into your own personal opinion because you could name six or seven. Look at Borna when he first came, and then you know we know his story. And look at him now. You look at Tav. Look how much he's improved. Goldson, obviously, um, Helander's been exceptional. Then you look in in the middle, Stephen Davis. Yeah. and and there's so, there's so many. I uh, look at the Alfredo, you know, Alfredo Ryan Kent. Look how good Ryan Kent is
0: now. Obviously, the Alfredo's answer, improvement is
1: oh, it's is phenomenal. phenomenal. You know, phenomenal. You know. Um, obviously his best signing is Scott Wright. Of course. So we'll, we'll gloss past that. But mm. in, I don't know. In all seriousness, I would tend to say Conor Golton as well, given given the defensive situation we were in at the time and and he was a rock we needed and his overall improvement David to be this this one last year who was almost robotic like not a mistake in him from where he went you know he was just he was a leader he was everything everything that that we needed so as I said it's subjective there is so many and I think that highlights just what a good job the management have done as well so that's a great question.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I don't, I, I don't think we're going to sit here and try and pretend that that everyone's been brilliant all the time, and it's just been no. a straight upward curve. There's been dips in form. There's been times that you know, Goldson was was very poor, as the whole team were, just you know, before the 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 COVID shutdown. That that's a fact. Stephen Davis. There were a couple of times when you were looking at it and going, hmm. Is is it maybe one season too many for him? So there were ups and downs for everyone, but I just think overall, as you say, I go back to the you know the last game before Gerard five five with Ibs and we were a shambles at the back. Ooh. And no matter what happened, the following season we were never that. Bar maybe what one game in Moscow, um, that apart, we were always decent. So yeah, a, a really good question though. I, I absolutely agree with that one. OK, this one comes from Gordon Somerville on Patreon. He says, how big and how important was winning the Friendly Cup in France last year to set the mindset and tone ahead of winning more last season?
1: Well, on the face of it, it wasn't really that important at all to to Rangers, etc. But to those players who were mentally maybe a wee bit fragile from what went on, two really good results, David, as well, two good performances, um i th- I think in terms of where we were at that point, yeah, it was important, and it's it also sets a sets a mind mindset you know that that we we are a good side we we can play well, we can do well, and it would have given them a wee bit of encouragement a wee bit of belief as well, so although we you know this is Rangers, we don't want to sit here and say you know, a friendly tournament in in France was really important and really big, but it's a great point because, see, in a weird way, it probably was exactly what we needed at that point for a squad-wise, for individual-wise as well. So, good again, it's a good point. It it was important. I'm not going to overly play it, but Mm -hmm. definitely important to where we were at the time, I would say.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I don't tend to send a uh, to, to set a great deal of importance in, in friendlies. Um, I think they are about fitness. But if yeah, if you're getting cuffed in them, it's going to damage your confidence. And obviously, if you're winning and playing well, and Rangers did, then that helped. I, I'm not sure winning it really mattered, particularly because it was only a... Yeah, it was a four-team tournament and you didn't play one of the other teams. So I, I don't think it was it, the players were... That they took any great... Um, right now, we've won this. We can go on and win other things. I don't think that happened. Um, from what from what I'm told, uh, some of the players walked off the, the field. <laughs> they didn't realise they got a trophy at the end of it. <laughs> so, um, I don't think it, it it was huge in that regard. But confidence building, absolutely. I, I think we all felt you know we would beat Leon, a really good side. It, it, we'd, we'd watch them not that long before beat Manchester City of course so um, yeah of course you, you take confidence from that and I, and I think that we very much did Yeah so next one
1: David. Um, it, there was a lot of questions like this I would think that a lot of people concerned you know what happened next Alan Ryder again, Patreon asks if, this is kind of three parts as well David so I'll run through them but if Gerard goes, does the whole backroom staff go, how does Ross Wilson solve that And will he look for entirely new backroom staff? If that's the case, some of them stay, or is it all separate? So (laughs) there's a lot to that, David.
0: I was always of the opinion that if Gerard goes, they all go. I was always of that opinion. But I'm not 100% sure now that that is the case, no. I'm not saying that it definitely isn't either. Uh, I'm just saying I've moved a bit from the absolutely, I was you know, convinced they were here as a unit and when, when he left, they went with him. I was convinced of that. Dead set. And now, I, I'm not so sure. I think if opportunities opened up at Rangers for some of the people in the coaching staff, that they would certainly consider it. And again, they might still decide to, to go with Gerard. what does Ro- Ross Wilson will know better than me the script with that and secondly I think that he'll be talking to them so he'll have a much better idea than I do about that, if it is the case and they do all go uh, or if some of them stay and, and get promoted then in terms of bringing in a new backroom team uh, you have to let a manager bring his backroom team in um, you don't have to let him do a Sam Allardyce and bring in, what is it, like 23 people he brings in when he arrives at a club. I don't think you have to do that, but I do think you need to say to him, right, you know, you pick your number two, your head coach, your fitness guy. I, I do believe that, that that has to happen. Yes, at, at, at any club, at any managerial, I don't, I don't think it's ever a, a great idea to, to put somebody in because generally speaking, Generally, when you're looking for a new manager at, at our club, it's because the the previous person has left for a reason. And usually that reason is disappointment. So to keep the same coaches who played a part in that disappointment, I I, I don't particularly see the, the benefit in. But it, the other situation that's different is soon as if Gerrard was to go. I mean, if Gerard was to go and Michael Beale was to to put his hand up and and apply for the job, and things had been going really well, and the board thought he was an important part of it and had the skills for the job, then I don't think anyone would be upset. Equally, if we had a disastrous season and things went really badly, and Gerard left, um, and Michael Beale, just for example, Michael Beale it could be Tom Coulshaw or, or whatever, but if they put their hand up. That would change it. So it will depend on circumstances when it happens, who who it's to. Of course, I think there's always been an assumption of who it might be, but that isn't necessarily going to be the case. So, yeah, I think it's a fluid situation. I'm sure, you know, th- th- there's been some discussions with uh, Ross Wilson about that, about what the, the next steps will be. And, and I'm sure that th- there's always some succession planning goes on in any business.
1: Yeah, I hate to sound like the kind of nodding dog that agrees, but I, I don't, I, I'm like you, I think it's a, a fluid one. And, and the next question is, is kind of similar to ones we've had as well, David. So I think it's on the same theme.
0: Yeah, it's uh, where do you think that Ross Wilson, the board and the club are at with this prospect now of Gerard leaving? Will they be planning for that? And that's from Stuart McDonald on Patreon.
1: It goes a wee bit back to the one we answered before in, in terms of, you know, I, I think, I think every good club has a successive plan. But I think that I, I don't think it would happen suddenly. Like I don't think Stephen Gerrard are suddenly coming in tomorrow and walking out. I think the club will be given fair warning, in which case they, they will have an idea. That's Ross Wilson's job. You know, he he does it well, I I believe, just like signing. So I don't think overly need to go over that. David is not not a criticism of the of the question or anything. Just we've slightly covered it as well. And I, it's, you know, I'll be honest, I don't want to talk about I'm leaving. So no, I, I'm I not ready. That. I'm not ready for that yet, David. Nope, totally agree. So the next one, this is a good one as well. In terms of, it comes from David Dave Davy on Patreon. <laughs> he says, um, "What is your expectation for this season?" He's a wee bit worried. He's heading towards another 93-94 season
0: and we may have to wait for Champions League qualification. Well, that obviously could happen, the the Champions League qualification, because you're going to have tough matches and anything can happen in that. It's not exactly a lottery, but, you know, a, a key injury or a COVID outbreak or a sending off early. Things can happen in these matches. We get that. So nobody knows. I don't think we're heading for a ninety-three, ninety-four yet. I think there will be a season that comes along like that where players are maybe struggling for form or showing a bit of fatigue. Um, but I, I don't think we're there yet. I, as I say, I think I think the last year more is our ninety-one, ninety-two 92 our breakthrough season. And I think this year will be, you know, the, 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 the continual improvement season. Does that then mean that maybe next year? Possibly, possibly. But I just think right now, we're in a good sport i don't think that you know the only team that could rival us for the title are in a good sport uh, and i think that those combined more than enough to 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 give us the kind of start that we'll need champions league yeah um Obviously, right now, we can only look ahead to, to the first tie that we've got, which will be against Ina Malmo or, or HJK Helsinki at the time of recording. That sits 2-1. Um, Norway goes, obviously, now, but the next leg in Helsinki. So I don't think we can even guarantee who we're going to come up against. Uh, and then we'll need to, to just take that game as it comes, as they say. But, yeah, I, I still think that that we have a lot to be positive in terms of the, the side. I, I think that the side will... Will have enough about it this year to to go on and retain its title, but we will inevitably see a dip at one point. Stevie, it's just not possible that we won't.
1: Yeah, I would agree, but I think the, he's asking the wrong people in terms of if he's worried about a slump in the Champions League and that, because as people know, we're mega positive anyway. Mm. So you know, I'm I'm looking forward to a really positive season, and I, I'm looking forward to and hoping for Champions League qualification. I know we've got to be respectful, David, to Malmo and Helsinki, who are first up in that. But we should really scud them, and I don't mean that to sound bad. But I think we're at that level now, where we're well above where they are. Um, I think I we
0: should be, yeah. And I think yeah, that we should. Be, you know, definitely should be. So yeah.
1: I'm, I'm looking forward to. it. I'm, I'm. You know, I know it's going to be a harder draw after that if we get there, hopefully. But I'm ready for it, and I know how good we can be. So no, I'm. You know, I appreciate what you said, and but it is you know what I'm like. I'm I'm positive and looking forward to the season ahead. So
0: here's one for you then, just on that. Now the chances are, at some point, we're going to lose a league match, right? It it probably is going to happen statistically. Last season was the unusual one. Do we as supporters have to play our part a little bit and maybe? Try not to overreact or is it just simply inevitable in this age of of Twitter, social media and yes, podcasts and blogs that the focus will be huge and intense and there will be the kind of almost post-Levy reaction that we saw last season?
1: Well, I, I feel slightly attacked, David, because is that aimed towards me? Because, no, right, I, 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 no, I'm kidding. No, you know no I'm,
0: I'm just like, saying, no, I, I, I'm, I'm not having people say that we're hypocrites, right? Because, you know, we, we can't sit here and say, oh, there's so much attention as we're sitting recording a Rangers podcast. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so it's it's just about, you know, we're, we admit, yeah, we're, we're very much a part of that as well. But, you know, it will because it will happen, right? I hope it doesn't. Chances are at some point it probably will, especially if we do make the Champions League, incidentally, because, you know, it's going to be very demanding on the old legs. Um,
1: I would just, I would say to that then, mate, genuinely, I'd hope that we as a fan base are in a better place in terms of the, the pressures off as the league has been delivered. So it will happen. I agree with you. I think it's an almighty ask to go through the year again unbeaten. Um, I would swap that right now for a couple of cups in the league being retained, by the way. Um, No problem at all. But I would say that just, I hope that if and when it does happen, we, you know, we we don't um, do what we normally do. But as you said, it's it's social media and things. I think there will be, it goes back to a wee bit like last season when we drew against Motherwell in um, February time. And it it was just a case of, well, you know, it's it's happened, it's okay, and it, and it wasn't the kind of ferociousness it has before, I would hope that, that people were relaxed and and take it, because you can't win every game, you can't go on beating all, you know, f- for, for years. So, no, I, I would be I would be hopeful that we as a, a fan base are a wee bit more um, relaxed than, than where we were previously. You see that edge, that kind of desperate edge, David, that, mm. to win something, I, I would hope and believe that that would go... Or or be gone now to to enjoy a wee bit more where we are.
0: Um, Thomas and Patreon asked, "Do you think we've benefited from no loans in season 2021 like Ojo or that blonde goon from Forest who played no matter what?" I think he means Joe Wardle, and I don't think he likes him.
1: No, I don't, and we know who Tamas is, so that's that's very <laughs> very him. So I,
0: um... I call I call him Moaning Lisa. So you know uh, his favourite song is Money Money by Billy Idol.
1: Um, well, I work with them, so um the big uh, mono. Um Do we have we benefited? Well, I think the loan players done all right for us. You know, I wouldn't be overly critical of, of any of the loan ones. You know, especially since we've got Ryan Kent. I think it's more, again, it, it kind of fits in with what we're doing now. It's more like the evolution of the squad in terms of we don't need loan players now. Mm. Before we needed them, I don't think we do now. I think the squad's strong enough. I think we've got a scouting. You know, in place. We, whereas we might have had loans this year, David. We've went and got Sakala and Lundstrom, so we're we're kind of we're exploring the free transfers and, and doing better that way. Have we benefited from it? If they're good enough and we're getting them on loan, I still don't mind. You, you know, if you would have said to me, and obviously I'm biased, but if you had said we could have got We Billy up on loan for the year, mm. you know, I would have taken that and I would have been overjoyed with that signing. So, if they're good enough and they're available even for loan, I I think it would be naive. For a club like ours, not to explore everything available, so yeah. Oh, have we benefited? I, I like Tojo. I thought he, would, you know, he did very quickly kind of go off the boil. Warrell was a bit hit and miss. Again, you know, had a few mistakes in him, but I think that if if Joe Warrell played beside Goldson now, he would he would benefit from a much better player. So I hate to disagree with Mo Pal, but um, I'm going to disagree
0: on this one. I don't know what you think. I think it's a tough one. I think that if you are loaning players that are very good players who just aren't getting picked by their squad, by, you know, say it's an English team and they've got a huge squad and a guy's a wee bit out of favour um and you can pick them up for a year, that's maybe different to bringing in an academy player on loan where they aren't the finished article. They are going to make errors. That's why the club are sending you there a guy like that so a guy like you know warrell yep ojo these guys they're not going to play well every week that's they're up here to do that that's that's one of the reasons they're on loan and you're right we don't need to take players like that anymore whereas at the time we did you know financially we we needed to do that to boost the you know to, to just boost the squad um i'm wouldn't be averse to a loan, as I say, of a, a really good player who just wasn't getting game time at his parent club because, you know, they've got so much money and a squad i 8,000, as we see. Um, but I do think maybe the advantage is in that I think when things are bad, then if you're a lone player, you have an escape and you can have that at the back of your mind. I think you can say, well, you know, I'm I'm going back and three months, four months or whatever. So I don't I don't really need to worry. And I think you can kind of hold yourself slightly above that. Um when I, I don't mean be arrogant. I just mean that you you have at the back of your mind, well this isn't as bad for me as it is for them. Whereas I think for all the other players when you're permanent and you're you know you've decided to sign on with this club for X amount of years, then I think you're just a wee bit more committed to it. And I think that's just human nature. It's the difference between, you know, having a full-time contract at a job and maybe a short-term contract at a job. Um, I've done both. And I know that you just, you have more ownership and more kind of pride of establishment when you're permanent. So maybe that, but I I just think we've moved moved past the days of taking academy players on loan from England and, um, you know, try to polish them up a bit and send them back. I don't think that that, that we're in that market anymore
1: I would agree with that, it's a wee bit like the Jaria situation isn't it, who could have been, you know, I, I think I believe that he had the same sort of skill set as, as Joe Rebo, but very quickly kind of put the towel in and decided that, that he didn't like the pressure and, and that was for him so I would agree with, with that as well David um, Brings us nicely on to the next one actually Ryan on, on Patreon asking how has Gerrard evolved from player recruitment point of view, um, he thinks that he's learned a lot, um, and that that leads into he believes that less loans, etc., have been better from the squad. What's your thoughts on that?
0: Well, to go back to that, I don't think that you know Gerard arrived in in summer twenty eighteen and thought let's get lots of loans. Uh, you know that he he wants players to come in and work with and, and be his player and be committed to him. It, it was just the reality of the situation. We had to get fourteen players in that summer. And when you can bring in a loan deal, one, there's not a huge financial commitment to it. Two, I think it's quite common for a manager to go back to a previous club, which he did for obviously came in a a Jaria and get players that they've they've worked with before. But I, I think what he's learned perhaps is that there's a certain type of player that will do well in Scotland and that talent alone isn't really enough like I've got no doubt that Eros Grejda is a talented player but didn't work out Umar Sadiq clearly is a good player he's got ability that that we never saw but he just I think took one look at the Scottish game and went nah this is not for me um so I think that that the type of player that we need to bring in he looks at and says yeah so for instance a Lundström is a guy that you look at and you think, yeah, he's got the physical attributes to to play in our league. Um, and again, just as the squad's got better, that we don't have as many holes to fill. So we don't need to, to maybe balance stuff out. Whereas now we can maybe wait for one quality player as opposed to saying I need to take three players who are not as good because I've got three needs in the squad. I, I think that's helped.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I would, I would, I would probably add to that as well that, it go- and and agreement with what you're saying, it goes back to what we needed when he first came in, and we needed twenty players, and you can't do that in one window, and that was something that we were trying to say that that you know the club were trying to to get out to the fans that this wasn't a one season, one window thing. So I think we can be more, you know, we can be more picky about who we need now. It's it's, it's definitely a case of quantity. Um, is is no longer needed, it's quality so no I would agree with that and David I know that this this is your next one but this is aimed for you so I'm going to ask you this if that's alright um, it comes from Lisa on Patreon it's a really good one as well, it gives us a wee insight into a lot of work that you've done this year and you David, they remember, she remembers you saying that Gerard was very charged on Euro nights so she wanted to know what it was like interviewing Stephen Gerard and getting your questions to him on the really big nights like Benfica and things
0: like that he's in the zone you know he's, he's very much in the zone and it, there, there's an edge to him um is how i would describe it he, you know you can see there's there's like a laser like focus and i think that you you can tell that he's you know very very much i think he's got that intensity about him anyway i think he's naturally an intense person when it comes to to football but you can absolutely spot the difference in him between that and say like a normal press conference um because at a normal press conference believe it or not a, a lot of it gets gets cut out um of of the videos that go out he will have a laugh and a joke um with with the press and you know he'll, he'll sit and banter back and forth and and he tends to be a wee bit um, more patient with people, whereas I think on on European nights, especially just after the game, um, he's he's incredibly intense. You know, after any of the the matches, he's he's very very much someone that that you just can sense. As soon as he walks into the room, you can you know you feel the charge, you feel the electricity off him. Um, and I think I, I I think that happens to a lot of matches. I think you know when we sit and watch a Pep Guardiola um, or a, a Thomas Tuchel, you know, you can see the difference between them on a non-match day and a match day. It, it is huge. And I think that, that Gerard has that as well. I think it's it's he's, he's training, Stephen, of, over the years of being a guy who's played so many big matches that I think his body rhythms are suited to it so that he peaks at the right times. I think he's just. I think it's a second nature thing to him now. I think he just goes into you know huge game mode. Um, old from days are the same. Old from days are the same. He's, he's he's exactly the same. Where you just know that he is absolutely at the peak of what he's doing, and and you know he's 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 laser like uh, in his intensity.
1: I would add um, just before I get to the second part as as well as obviously you've i've you, I've done wee bits and pieces and and something that we covered as well in in the actual in the series is just the stature of Gerard is when he walks in a room or, or when he sits and does you know questions and things like that he is very like Walter Smith he commands a room Yeah, got ultimate respect for him already a lot different as we spoke about again in case people haven't heard it, we spoke about the difference between him and Gary Mack when Gary takes the, the, the pressers, it's a lot more relaxed. He's a lot more laid back. So it's not a bad thing. We spoke about that, obviously. But she goes on to ask David, um, who does the talking on the sidelines? Um, and and hopefully they don't swear as much as Alan McGregor. So give us a wee, wee bit of an insight, if you can, into the sidelines. And also tell us, tell us, you've told me so many good stories about McGregor as well. It's mm-hmm. a good time to, to get one of them in.
0: Um, I think it, they all do, you know, they all, uh, not constantly, none of them are constant shouters, like uh, there was a game, two games at Ibrox last season where you you could sit and obviously watch because of no noise at all really, other than what was coming from the pitch, and and I remember, and I'm not being critical of the guy, I don't know him from Adam, I'm, I'm just saying that the guy who I found really unimpressive was Mickey Mellon, uh, of Dundee United, where it was just a non-stop stream of of rubbish, really. Um, David Martindale, for example, is a big talker, but it's always about the game, you know. Whereas with with it's just irrelevant to the point where I thought he's he's actually putting his players off, you know. Because imagine your face. A, watch the first goal against Dundee United in the in the four 0 win um, at Ibrox earlier in the season. And if you see the SPFL footage, I remember really clearly, Ryan Kent is tearing in at his centre defence and Mellon ran in the touchline shouting at him, there he is, there he is, watch him, watch him, there's your work, you know what to do. And I was going, just shut up. He's got Ryan Kent coming at him at full pelt. And of course, Kent waltzes past them and scores a goal. Um, So none of them are like that. It's not like a constant stream of drivel, but if they see something, you know, happening, Gerrard will shout, Culshaw... Um, I'll shout something occasionally to a player, uh, especially if a set piece is coming up. Tom Coulter will do that. Gary McAllister will shout things if he's noticing something. Michael Beale clearly um, across doing tactical instructions. So they all have the, the the freedom to do that, but none of them are, as I say, just right. I'm, I'm going to just talk for talking sake. They they don't do that because they watch the game as you know to to see what's happening. Uh, I think you've got to give yourself room to do that and and they do that. Um Alan McGregor. Um, it just he, he is just absolutely magnificent. He's just a guy who when he's he's on the field he's 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 talking is just constantly. I think that we all know that the the ban he got for that Aberdeen game rankles with him highly and at any time that there's a bad tackle in a game, you'll hear him for the referee from 40 yards away going, I get two games for that. And it clearly still annoys him to this day. So he's he's brilliant. He's just he's he's but he'll, he'll get on his own team as well. Um I remember the last game of season against Aberdeen, we're 3-0 up. We're waiting on the, the title procession, really. The title, you know, the the they're getting the stuff out of the side to get ready for it. Um and Ryan Kent dawdled in the ball. And McGregor ran at his goal. And he's like, Raza, what the fuck was that? And I just thought, winner. Winner. Really that simple.
1: I always remember the, the clip of him, um, which he heard on, on Rangers. I'm sure it was in, inside the, the show that Rangers put out of the the tackle by Curtis Mayne on Borna Up at Potodri when we won 2-1. Just after Christmas time. And like you said, he was just hilarious. You know that's the problem with the referees in Scotland—so inconsistent. I got two games, like you say, I got two <laughs> games for that. And uh, how how fucking high does that need to be before you're going to send him off, etc.? So oh, he's he's he's, he's is
0: that he's, no dangerous? Is that is that no reckless? and uh, uh, that's like, it. Yeah, Our, and it's, it's unreal. It's, but even at corner kicks and stuff, you're like, you know, you you'll just hear him piping up and going this guy's got enough room to build a wall. Um, you know, and somebody will go over and mark him. He just, he keeps on at them and he's absolutely brilliant. You're um, right, well, that's a winner. So That's exactly that. I'll take this one then, mate. Can you think of another manager who could have come in and done what Stephen Gerrard has done? I think many would have struggled to adapt tactics and players in such a short space of time and I believe it's his biggest strength and that's from Graham Roy on Patreon. No.
1: That's it. That's the honest answer. There was nobody... At that time, who had the stature? Who had the um? Who was who was able, David, to have the balls to come in and, and do it? Because right, we know that that Gerard, you know, we know what he's like, and we we'll, have we'll tried to kind of put it across as well—the uh, stature of him and stuff. But he's obviously got the right amount of arrogance and self belief in himself, so he wasn't taking, you know, we heart back onto 2018, he wasn't walking into a job that was was easy, he, he's walking into a, a club and a squad that the standards were dramatically down to where they, they shouldn't be and we needed somebody that, that had that stature and had that, you know, self-belief that could have came in and I don't think at that point there was anybody that was getting linked for the job that you would have you would have said yeah he could have came in and done a done a Stephen Gerrard job I don't I
0: you know I think time- you, you and I can get you know it's been long enough I think now that you and I can can maybe give away something that that was uh, <laughs> true but the the list that McInnes had topped there were guys I know you know this, we we discussed it at the time that list included people like Derek Adam and Darren Ferguson. Oh, now, oh. how frightening is that? And remember, of course, that, that the first choice on that list knocked the job back. So that was the sort of level that we were contemplating, you know, and thankfully we didn't go for. But that is frightening, really. Um, and, and, and as you and I discussed the the weekend, actually, see, when you look on it, it was madness for Stephen Gerrard to take this job. You know, given the circumstances, given the state rangers we're in and what we were asking them to do, we, we basically said to them, Look, we're miles and miles behind um, our rivals. Our support are agitated to the point of, you know, ready to storm the gates. They're so desperate for success. We need you to get that success. Oh, by the way, you've got kind of half the budget of the other side who've just. Won everything for X amount of years. It's crazy. And I think that goes back to your point character, belief, inner strength. Yeah, you need to be a good coach. But I think to manage Rangers successfully, there's an X factor. And we might not be able to identify it easily, but we all know it when we see it. And I think he has it. Yeah, I think
1: great expression. Walter had it. Graham Soon has had it. Even Alex McLeish had Dick it. He had it, yeah. You know, to that. that audit. Dick Advocat had it as well, obviously. Um, I, yeah, great, great point. Brings us on nicely. This is a wee bit different, David, and it's really, really relevant to, to what we're talking about. William Aston on Patreon, he makes a point, and we can turn this into a bit of a question as well. He says that he listened to Gerard on Jim White's Talksport show and he said a full review of the club would now happen. And that would basically came days after we'd stopped for COVID. And uh, he said he was going to go right you know, right down to the very bottom of, of where we could improve. And he would make sure that he could be ready. And he felt that it galvanised him, um, galvanised his support. And he felt from that moment it kind of changed everything. It was more or less the, the perfect uplifting that he needed after the way the, the season had been brought to a whole that's more of a statement from him in terms of that but it, it's something that we didn't cover david um and it it's a it's a really big point in terms of i think when you look at gerard and as a leader and as a manager i think it shows the effect that he can have with his words and how he can, you know, and how he has that stature to galvanise a whole support in that. What do you make of the whole Jim White thing
0: and, and what um, William was making, the point he was making there? I think it's a very good point. I think that, you know, clearly something massive changed. There was a sea in attitude because Rangers come out the next season looking different. And I know that we all said, even when it was going well, I, well I'm not getting ahead of myself until after Christmas because... We've seen this before, but they did seem, and this is not hindsight because people were discussing it on the Patreon site, on on Twitter. You, you were discussing it in your blogs. They just seemed to carry themselves differently, with more assurance, and and I think it was maybe forged in fire a wee bit, Stephen. You know the 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 end of that previous season and just how difficult it was, and then how difficult life was for all of us. They're humans as well. They were going through the same thing, Zoom calls, not allowed out the house. And, you know, it doesn't matter that they're, they're footballers. They were going through all that as well. And then the way that footballers were having to live in terms of bubbles and whatnot and, and very strict protocols, that there was just something forged in that. And I think that there was a feeling of we've come through this together, both as squads, players, and the management team. And there was this feeling of, I think, that you know, look, we, we've overcome that adversity now. We, we could have buckled and we haven't. You know, half a dozen of us could have been playing at a different club this season, the manager could have been somewhere else, but we're not. We're all still here, and we, you know, if we can get through that, we can get through anything. And I think that that, that happened, but that is, you know, an emotional thing. And abstract things do matter in sport and they do matter in life, and, it, and it's a case here, but it's not enough. You can't win titles on rhetoric and good words alone there were technical things that happened too absolutely there were things that I'm sure they looked at and not all of it negatively you know what I mean I, I don't think that everything was right that's rubbish needs to be changing that I think that they were able to say actually you know what we're not far away with that this is maybe what we need to do to improve it that does need change, but this actually is fine. This is working for us. So I think there was that whole overview. They were able to step back because when you're right at the coal face of a season with Rangers, it never ever ever lets up. It took a pandemic, these exceptional circumstances, three months of of inertia for the planet for them to have that space to be able to say right we'll go back because imagine that the season had played out and we just had a normal summer with the euros and whatnot all the transfer business the you never get time like that and it was how you use it and i am going to you know we, we we try not to talk about that lot too often because they are so far in their slipstream but they didn't use that time they 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 dawdled. they marked time they they got worse through it the entropy set in with them whereas I think Rangers used that time to smooth out processes repair broken ones strengthen ones that did work and then as I say along with that mental we've come through this period of adversity I think what you had was a very efficient squad that had been bonded together
1: Yeah the only only thing I would add to that actually I think it you know Maybe repeat myself slightly, but I think it speaks volumes for the stature of, of Steven Gerrard himself when he can deliver an interview like that, you know, weeks after how it had ended for us, which was very grim, um, and he can galvanise and, and mobilise, you know, a, a support that we did for that. So, no, again, I, th- I think a g- great point. Um, and it, it does, you know, it speaks a lot for, for Gerard.
0: I think. Who had the bigger impact last season, Jack or Arfield from Big Willy Style on Patreon? And they said, also looking to this season, who of them is going to play more given their injury situations, etc. I'm glad you're getting this one.
1: The, the answer is that they, they both had a massive impact at different points in the season, Scotty Arfield had a run from September to November before he got injured where he was sensational. Ryan Jack, similarly, um, just around about that time finishing, he was very steady And when it came to October, November, December. He was exceptional. Both, unfortunately, picked up kind of nasty injuries. Um the thing with, do you know why I would plump for Arfield on this, David? And it, and it's probably unfair on Ryan Jack because Ryan Jack was consistently very good. But I looked at Scott Arfield at the start of the season as being a bit part player. And his form made him undroppable. And he was getting in ahead of Joe Rebo and things. So I think his appetite, and he's somebody that I really enjoy listening to speaking as well. When he spoke at the end of the season, just after we beat Aberdeen. He spoke about how the squad were already determined to right the wrongs of the Cups and things like that going into next season. So I can see him being a big part of the dressing room. And that's not a slight on Ryan Jack. It's just that maybe he you know he puts himself forward for more interviews and things. He's more vocal. But I think that that could be something that that, that he um, brings into the, the change room as well. A leader. Maybe not McGregor Goldson, but you need different types. And I think he would be one as well. Looking to this season, who's going to play more? I hope they're both available. Um, you know, Scotty Arfield's already fit. Ryan Jack's got a bit more to come back. I'm really desperate for Ryan Jack to get over his, his problems. I think we're going to have to be patient with him, though. I'm not sure that he's ever going to be in the position where he can play 50, 60 games for Rangers like Stephen Davis does. Mm-hmm. But I hope we can get to the point where we can bring in Lundström for example, for for, for games that we, we can rotate them and things like that. So, I think we're better placed to handle or manage Ryan Jack, certainly, this season. Um, I, I don't have a favourite between them. I think they're both vitally important and they're two players that I really like.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree. I think that our field had the bigger... Um... Uh, the bigger on-field part last season um, because there were times that, that he was just in sensational form uh, and he was unlucky really that, that when injuries came along he was absolutely flying so for me, I, I, Ryan Jack did play his part of course, I mean the goal against Kilmarnock crucial, what a goal it was incidentally just, you know, beautiful Um, but what what I will say though uh, about Ryan Jack is uh, at the end of last season Rangers ran a, a, an online coaching thing uh, i'm sure some of you might have seen and, and um i i bought the package so that i could i could watch the because you know i'm interested in that that side of the game and and i'm a geek who never leaves the house so i've got time to watch it um and there was an interview at the end of the week with Stephen gerrard and gary mcallister and Stephen gerrard was abs he, he waxed lyrical about ryan jack and i've heard him do that before but in this, he was, you know, you have such a huge presence in the dressing room and he's so important and he helps me get across, you know, my message and, and he gets it and then he takes it forward and he leads and he makes sure the other boys do it as well. So, what I will say is that I think that while there's a chance of Ryan Jack getting fit, you'll always have an opportunity under Stephen Gerrard because I think Gerrard rates him as a professional and as a man. Um this is maybe something that, that we don't, you know, talk a lot, but Stephen that's a term he uses quite a bit if you watch interviews with him folk and think back. It's something that, but he'll talk about he's a man, you know. It, it, it's a real bit of praise from him. And I think what he means by that is that he conducts himself in the way that Stephen Gerrard considers right for a footballer to do. And I think that that's a big praise thing for him when he says it. So yeah, um I think if Ryan Jack was to get fit, he would play more than, than Arfield, just because he does a different position with maybe not quite so much competition. Um Scotty Arfield playing that bit further up where we are, kinda of blessed with some real talented players. But I just hope they both they, they both deserve an injury free season. You know, if if anybody did it's it's these two guys. Ah, that's a good one, Stevie. That's from Gray McKenzie and Patreon. he says, "What would you think about offering the job to McAllister or Beale? It's worked before with Smith, if Steven Gerrard leaves."
1: Um, <clears throat> I wouldn't be overly against it, but there would be the there would be the alarm bells ringing in terms of Ali McCoy getting it. Now I know that Ali got it under horrible circumstances, and we'll we'll never know how good Ali could have been if you know he, he had a better boardroom and an owner behind him, etc. But I would be a wee bit I would be a wee bit battle scarred and a wee bit worried about that. But in terms of is either of them capable of doing the job, then absolutely I think they would be I think ironically dude and this this maybe maybe left field, but I would be more intent to, to give it to Michael Beale than I would be to give it to Gary McAllister. Sometimes people are just really good assistants. I think Gary McAllister is a really good assistant. I think Michael Beale is a natural progression to be. Michael Beale has an aura around him that I think mm. is is similar. He's not Steven Gerrard level, but he has an aura and a respect from the players around him. And I'm not saying that Gary Mack doesn't, but I just think that that Beale, to me, seems to be the the natural, pro, you know, natural mm. progressor to to Steven Gerrard. I, I, you know that's based on on somebody that doesn't see them every day, doesn't know the ins and outs, so it's, it could be really unfair on Gary Mack You know me saying that, but it's just when I watch Michael Beale, when I listen to him speak, I listen. To, you know, I love listening to him talk about tactics and things like that. For me, he's a, he's a natural one out of the two,
0: from what I've seen.
1: But that's, yeah. that's it's it's no, sub- you know that's
0: opinion. Hundred percent, hundred percent agreement. Um, with you on that one. I don't think Gary McAllister would be or would see himself as a contender for the manager's job. I think Gary, you know, he's been about football, he's had some managerial jobs. Um, he is an excellent number two. And it is a skill set, incidentally, it is a, a specific thing. Not everyone can do it. Um, and he's very, very good at it. Um, but I don't think he sees himself in that. And I don't think that. He would be in line for it. Michael Beale is different. He, you know, he has coaching ambitions. He's spoken about this on on his own blog, which is excellent, and he's spoken about it in interviews that he does have ambitions, and that's what I mean about. In the old days, I was kind of convinced they would all go as one. I think with Michael Beale, just based on listening to him and reading from directly from him, that he does have coaching ambitions of his own to be his own man. So I don't think he'll be. Forever with you know I, I don't think if Steven Gerrard has a twenty year coaching career that Michael Beale will will be with him for twenty years, um and therefore yeah I do I, I think and, and I think we all know and it's no denigration at all to any of the rest of the coaching staff they work well as a team I think we all know how important Michael Beale is in terms of Rangers tactics and how they set up and the, the you know the training etc, um then there would be other other skills you need, we've talked about mental toughness, you know, the 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 ability to, to deal with all that comes at you being the Rangers manager. But it, it would definitely be in consideration, I think. Um and I don't think the fans would be would be wildly against it either, if Stephen Gerrard leaves on the back of success, as I say, rather than maybe worse.
1: Yeah, I would agree this is probably a great final question, David, I think in terms of where we are with time and, and the episode, etc. But this is a a brilliant one, I think. Um comes from Dale Renton, also on Patreon as well. What does Steven Gerrard see as his ultimate achievable goal with Rangers?
0: I think that he sees as his ultimate achievement goal with Rangers to be in a position that when he does decide to leave, that A, he decides to leave rather than it's decided for him, and B, that when he does so, Rangers are at the top and indisputably at the top that they are the number one team in Scotland. Not club, that will always be a matter for debate between, you know, if you're a Rangers fan, you think it's us. If you're a Celtic fan, you think it's them. We're right, but, um, you know, I'm talking about, but just nobody can say they're, not the best team in Scotland, and I think that's what he wants to do. So, how do you make that concrete? Well, you do it by multiple league titles, not just one. You do it by cups and winning cups and trebles, and you do it, of course, by getting to the Champions League. And the great thing about Steven Gerrard is, I don't think he's the type of guy who would get us through the qualifying rounds and think, "Well done, that's me achieved it." He'll want to get us out of that and into the next round.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I would, I would say that he's he's created a legacy. He'll want to cement it now. Um, exactly what you said, and like you, you know, I, I go back to something that Steven Gerrard said in February time, just before the Antwerp game. He said that he wants to get Rangers into the the stage where they're competing in the in the final stages of, of European competition every single year. So, like like you, I, I think he might short term see Champions League qualification, but ultimately he's looking at after Christmas you know, last 32, et cetera. And uh, I see him as being, you know, the way we performed and, and the gradual steps and as we've we spoken about in, on this series, you know, I wouldn't be surprised, David, if we're sitting next summer adding the next chapter to this because he, he's not somebody that will stand still. He's not somebody that will be content. I think he's always going to be driving and, and striving for more. Um, and I still think he I still think he's here to I think he's got a lot more unfinished business at Rangers before he considers his next move also
0: I, I go right back to something that he said in the summer of 2018 and it it stayed with me and I've thought about it quite often throughout his time here um he he, he was asked about signing a 4-year deal because it seemed quite a long deal for him to to take at that point um and he said, I asked for a four-year deal. And I remember being happy because I thought, well, that shows you the commitment that he's got to the club, that he's not just here for you know a quick fix for a year or two and then um skill a you know Lampard at Derby. And he said in the interview, I asked for a four-year deal because that's how long it will take to make Rangers the best team. Not simply a team that can win a trophy here and there, but to be the best team. And that's, that's struck with me. Now, that's not to say that he'll get to four years and leave, right, because he signed an extension since. But I think that, I don't know, it's always just reassured me that, you know, it, he, he knew we'd be where we are right now and that we are still on that plan where, yeah, we've won a trophy and, yeah, we're a great side and, yeah, we're the best in the country, but we've still a ways to go. Yeah. And therefore, I, I refer back to that statement quite a bit, and it it fills me with hope for continued success moving forward.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Great way to finish it, I think. Great way to finish um, tonight.
0: Now, Stephen and I had had talked about this before the show, folks, and what we said is if we can't get through the questions, um, we've, we've got... Probably the same amount again to go that we'll wrap them up in another show next week. So that is what we'll do, Stevie. A pleasure. Great questions from the listeners. I thought,
1: yeah, brilliant questions. It's just you know what, David. I say this and I try and say it, the show has been an absolute pleasure to do to to be with yourself on heart and hand. It has been brilliant. But the reaction we've had and we you know we're we're halfway through the the questions and and everybody getting involved in the feedback we've had and everything that people have said to us and, and taking their time to, to kind of join the show makes it what it is. So, you know, absolutely, thanks very much for everyone that's listening and sent them that we're having a ball doing it. And, you know, to, to be able to be sitting, you know, going to record our, our ninth episode next week is, is phenomenal and a huge thanks to everyone.
0: Yeah, and I think that actually it works out very nicely. There's a nice uh, bit of symbiosis here, folks, that we will then wrap it up the weekend before the first league game of the new season so um, by accident the timing is absolutely perfect (laughs) we'll be back next week with the rest of this, I hope you enjoyed it we very much enjoyed it, thank you to everyone who sent us in a question and uh, we'll talk to you again next week, take care bye bye